0: I'm feeling tall today. can I ident- identify as a 10 feet tall
1: Welcome to Answers News for Monday October 24, 2022.
2: My name is Tim Chafee. I'm here with Patricia Engler and Dr. Gabriella Haynes. And I'm not sure if that was meant as a joke for the tall guy here since I'm about six foot nine. (laughs) I I identify as a tall person because I am a tall person. But uh, we're gonna be talking about that in just a little bit actually. The the recent explosion in children identifying as non-binary in addition to several other news stories. So let's um, jump right into that one. Uh, This one comes from Maryland. There's a school district there where the number of students identifying as non-binary over a two-year period went up by 582%.
0: Almost 600% in two years.
2: Right. And so we're not talking about there was one student in this school and suddenly there were six students. This went from 35 students in 2019 up to 239 who are identifying that way. So if, uh, you know, the argument that we've heard for a long time that, that people are, you know, that they this is how they are born or that, that mm-hmm. you wouldn't see, be seeing these drastic changes like this. It would be something that would be... Um, that would be kind of holding steady at the same Mm -hmm. time. But instead, what we are seeing from social um, and cultural pressures, we're seeing this drastic increase in these numbers
1: Yeah, and it really makes sense if you think about just the age that these kids are at. Like as a preteen, you are at a very sensitive and vulnerable age and you're going to be looking for affirmation, you're going to be going through some kind of tumultuous changes, thinking about what your life is going to be like. And if you see everybody around you doing this and then being affirmed and loved and um, being called brave and powerful for it, like that's naturally going to draw you. Yeah, and the leading questions as well, as um, you might have noticed um, that they're asked on the intake forms. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe you pointed that out as well.
0: Yeah. And also the other thing, it's also media, right? You go and you see series, you, you see movies and music and all that talking about and affirming and praising and honoring those people. So you just feel like, hey, I want to be accepted, especially in that age, you know, like in, the, in the, the school system that they're talking about here in their age, they want that affirmation. And it's just like they feel embraced and, and that's how it, it happens, you know, but it's, it's. It's just really, really sad to see the situation that we as a country, and that's not only happening here in the United States, it's happening in my country, in, in Brazil also. Uh, th- th- this push, you know, for this idea, which brings a lot of confusion and not, no, no sense of reality, and it's not helping any one of those um, teenagers.
2: Yeah, that's, that's one of the things that's. Um, you know, it's, it's sad already, like we were talking about, but there's something very sinister going on as well. You're going to notice a theme in a lot of these articles. There's really a, an attack on the family. Mm-hmm. And in this particular one, the students are not only asking how they identify, they're being asked how they identify, but also how supportive are your parents or guardians on a scale of 1 to 10 of your decision to mm-hmm. be classifying yourself as, as non-binary or whatever. So then, of course, if the parent isn't supportive enough, guess who's going to come down on them? And it's just... It, it's really, it is quite sinister actually. And so we're seeing a lot of that. Uh, And Patricia, like you talked about at that age, when the kids are already feeling at odds with their parents, almost like naturally by the time you're about 12, 13, 14, because you're getting to that point where you want some independence. And yet uh, it's easier for parents to think that they're still like kids Mm -hmm. because in many ways they're still acting that way. And so there's always that that tension at, well, often that tension at that age, and then to be driving a bigger wedge uh, from within the school doing that, that's, yeah, it's sinister
1: yeah and you see attacks on families and attacks on youth is a very common strategy for revolutions because it um, influences the future generation and it destabilizes the family unit, which is this pillar of cultural <laughs> stability and If you just think of it on a spiritual sense like this is also kind of a hit to the most vulnerable part of young people 's identity at the age when they are the most vulnerable and at an age when you can really get them to make decisions that will impact their future health as well so mm-hmm. you can see that if you if you wanted to do for, you know, spiritual reasons and attack on, on the family, this would be a very effective way to do that. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And and as you said, they're attacking the future. They're attacking their own family, you know, the the next family, because those are the teenagers. Those are the ones that in, in more years, they're going to be, you know, uh, finding someone and getting married. And then if they are understanding the world that way, they're going to be teaching their kids also those things. And it just, um, it's just really sad because we know that it's not an, uh You you said that I thought it was really uh, well put. It's not a nature thing, right? It's a
1: oh, a nurture, nature, yeah. the nature nurture thing. Yes. Yeah.
0: So they're being nurtured, you know, on those things, and and that's the 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 sad point on on that. That is not something that they are. They're just being taught that they are like
2: that. And, and some of this, I mean, I think. We would recognize some of these are doing it just because that's what they're feeling like you're pressured to put down as an answer. That's the cool answer. That's the one that might upset my parents or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. it's just, so it's not like that many truly are necessarily identifying right. that way. Yep. But still, the the that's a very high number. And this is not a, a small school district. This is the largest public school system in Maryland, uh, the Montgomery County School District. Uh, so this is a it's, yeah very sad news out of Maryland. Uh, but it's not a it's not unexpected, given our culture, given what uh, young people are being taught—not just at that age, but if you go back even when they're younger, they're mm-hmm. being—and I'm going to use this word—they're <laughs> being groomed to think that way. Uh, right. From the media, they hear from this, the books that they're being uh, uh. that are being read to them or being assigned to them when they're in elementary school. Mm-hmm. This is something that has been a major push within our culture for the last two to three decades, and mm-hmm. we're seeing the, the fruit of it right now. Yeah. All right, uh, well, on a similar topic, a physician assistant sues hospital over firing for refusing to participate in sex change surgeries or to cave to their pronoun policy. Uh, so this is uh, a person who was fired from her position, her name is Valerie, and she filed a lawsuit against uh, Michigan Health West because she was required to take this training program, even though she wasn't hired for, for this sort of procedure. And they told her that she needed to take part in this um, training program where she would have to use the patient's preferred pronouns and where she'd have to participate or at least observe these sex change operations and other things And she refused. And as a result, she was fired. So she's filing a lawsuit.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, she just, she she was not hired for doing that. And she has the right of, because of religion exemption, right, to not uh, do it. And uh, and I think sometimes he, somewhere in, the, in this paper talking about like, oh, so you don't wanna do it, just don't, don't, don't come to work for us. But the point is, she was not hired for that. She was hired for do, to do something else, and now she's being uh, required to do a training and to, you know, to change the way that she thinks, to, to participate on um, cutting pieces of the body of people off. And some of them, sometimes, it's gonna be the next article, right? Yeah. It's minors, it's minors, yes. teenagers, you know? So, I mean, it's just, they don't, they, don't on, they don't only want you to respect. They want you to participate and they want you to embrace the idea. That's the problem. That's the huge, huge problem that you, we can see here. And then there's, this is not a new thing. There's a lot of people, just people in the hospital, people in school, just being fired because they don't want to participate
1: on those things.
2: Right, we, we cover something like this, it seems like at least once a month yeah. where there's a case yeah. like this or more often than that. So it's very mm-hmm. common.
1: Yeah. yeah, and it makes sense if you think about it as what the unofficial state religion is in North America. It has this religion of man's word where basically feelings become the authority for truth to the extent that if you resist identifying, or if you resist affirming another person's feelings-based identify, uh, identity, you're basically committing heresy, you're breaking a blasphemy law, which is often punishable in a lot of cultures, and we're seeing that here mm-hmm. as well. And I did notice a couple of things, though. For instance, the hospital CEO was saying our mission requires us to relentlessly advance health for West Michigan, and there's no room in that mission to exclude anyone. But if you notice in that statement, there are a couple of things that you can watch for. One is straw man fallacies, where you misrepresent an opposing perspective. So in this case, the doctor isn't advocating for excluding anybody. That's a misrepresentation to make Mm -hmm. it sound weaker. There's also something called an either-or fallacy, where you're given only two options that you have to pick from when they're not the case. So it's setting it up as if, either you force every doctor to fully go along with this philosophy or you're excluding patients from receiving health care that they need, and that's a false dilemma. What's, mm-hmm. what's
2: the third option? Yeah.
1: <laughs> there, well, there are other options. Doctors, yeah. Some
2: doctors right? do this and some doctors don't, yeah. and nobody's denied the, mm-hmm. the treatment. You just don't have to participate in it. Exactly. If you don't want yeah. to, there's yeah. a third option. Yeah,
1: and if they were really concerned about exclusion, that's what they would do because otherwise you're excluding religious diversity, but right. they don't want religious diversity because you want to advance the state mm-hmm, religion, which is yeah, based on, on this yeah. feeling.
0: And at the end of the day, they're always going to exclude the people that don't follow the way that they think. So they're very inclusive, inclusive, but not the people that think differently. That's not inclusive at all. So that's the problem. They fight so much about it but they're the sa- they're the ones actually doing it and excluding people.
2: Right. And it, you've seen the way that the movement has morphed over the years from the time it used to be that we just want equal rights. Well, it wasn't about that. It wasn't about having the equal status or having the same rules apply to you. It was about forcing everybody to right. uh, not only to accept or to tolerate, but also to participate right. and it, to agree and affirm and condone. And that, sorry, as a Christian, there certain things we can't condone because we're held to a higher standard and that is what God's word says. And when it tells us that something is sinful, it doesn't matter what our culture says. That behavior is sinful and we cannot stand for it and participate in that. Um, and you know, it, sometimes there's going to be consequences. And Some people have suffered as a result.
0: And God's word is to, for our good, for our own good, you know, because he loves us. He's the one that created us. Like I'm a mom and I want the best for my kids. And it's the same with God. He wants, he wants the best for us. And when he says, hey, this is, this is wrong, this is, is going to hurt you, it's going to hurt what I want from you, it's just because it is wrong. And, and you can see the stats of people that go through this process, like a lot of um, suicides, a lot of problem with drugs, a lot, a lot of those things. Why? Because when you go against God's law, when you go against what God has for us, which is the best, we don't live. We die. We die slowly. What, what David says, when I, I, I hid my sins, my bones just dry out, yeah. you know, and that's what happens. Our bones dry out. We get sick in our flesh, we got fit in the mind and emotions and all that. So what God says is true it's good. It's for our good, and unfortunately, we see those people going against God's um, way and suffering, and totally suffering, and die at the end. And, and
2: to go along with what Dr. Haynes was saying is, you have people who, oftentimes, are genuinely struggling with something, and they, they don't have peace of mind, they don't have joy, and off, a lot of times, they're, they're lacking that relationship with the Lord that can give right. lasting peace and joy and all those things, and the the answer for them is not to affirm them in a sinful manner, sinful behavior, and say, yeah, chase that, that'll make you happy, because it never does. I mean, it might temporarily, it can provide happiness for a little bit, uh, because sin can do that, Mm -hmm. but there's never going to be lasting joy, and then you're going to be working against God rather than Uh, you know, living with the joy that he can, that he can give. So the solution again, in those situations is the gospel. Yes. So, all right. Well, we've same theme here. Vanderbilt temporarily halts performing uh, body mutilating sex change surgeries on kids. Uh, So this is from medical school there at Vanderbilt and they've had the medical center. They've, um, they were caught basically um, with, uh, there's an investigation that showed that they were giving drugs, they were doing chemical castration, perform, performing double mastectomies on minors. And when that was brought to light, they said, oh, we're going to pause that, we're going <laughs> to stop doing it temporarily. Well, why are they doing it in the first place? Right. And, yeah. Uh,
1: Yeah, and you can see that their stance actually hasn't changed because of the way they're using a framing effect, which is where you word things in a certain way to put a certain spin on it, when the information would sound very different if you stated it the other way. So in this sense, he said, we are pausing gender affirming surgeries. Well, it it doesn't always mean that if you affirm one thing, you're denying something else. But in this case, it does. And if you think that through, you can see the other way that he could have said it would have sounded very different. Yeah. So, and again, just like what you guys were saying, um, just thinking of this as an opportunity to show compassion and to show the love of Jesus and to have this opportunity to pray for people and especially minors, like we see back from the first article, how there is this strategic targeting of kids going on and kids are very close to the heart of Jesus, so this is an opportunity to share the love of Jesus in our culture with people of all ages as well.
2: And and sadly, a lot of times the young teenagers making these decisions to get these sort of surgeries. A lot of times they are, it's a peer pressure thing or pressure from their, their teachers. Uh, there have been many instances where a, a child wanted to go in for one of these and the parents moved them out of that situation completely and they actually some of this research has been done saying that's the best approach is mm-hmm. get them away from that group of peers and then suddenly those desires go away. Go away. And that's not to say that there aren't some people who genuinely struggle mm-hmm. with um, who they are. You know, sin can blind you to the truth. Uh, no matter no matter what issue you're talking about, yes. so there are people who genuinely struggle in certain areas, but in this certain thing, there has been such a huge upward trend in the last ten to fifteen years, especially young, among young ladies, uh, to. Think that they're non-binary, or to uh, think that they are really male, and they think they need to go through these surgeries. Uh, it's, it's it's tragic to see what's happening to our young people out there in our culture, and then to have a whole industries, if you can call it that, like our school districts and our medical industry, right. just jumping right on board, saying, "Yep, this is what they and, need."
0: And some of the, some of those times, and we have covered articles talking about that. Like parents don't even know what's going on. They're in school, and parents don't even know what's happening. Some of them are actually. St- Start the process of taking the hormones, and the parents do not know.
2: So in this case, the young lady can identify mm-hmm. as transgender. She can diagnose herself. It's the only thing you can do, the only situation where you can diagnose yourself, say, I have this, go in and demand testosterone, and get that without your parents' knowledge. Mm-hmm. In certain places, that's happening.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and, and the biggest problem is some of those kids that go under those surgeries, so those hormones... Some of those things, you cannot go back. You cannot go back.
2: It destroys their life. It destroys
0: your life forever, forever. And, like, can you just imagine, like, how hard that thing is going to be for the rest of their life just because they thought something, they identify as something, and now I'm just like, Goodness. You know, it's just like, this culture needs to have a... a
2: wait, wait 10 years, we're going to see a lot has of people to, who because are... Because
0: we, they, the culture is destroying, destroying kids, destroying kids, family, just as it was Nothing.
1: It's interesting, yeah, from a bioethics perspective, too, because minors aren't normally considered competent to make their own medical decisions, which is why you have parents as proxy decision-makers normally. So there's potentially a bit of a double standard there. Yeah, Yeah.
2: absolutely. All right, well, let's get on to one that I think Dr. Haynes is going to like a little more. She's a paleontologist, Ah. so this one I think she's going to enjoy a bit more. Dinosaur mummies may not be rare flukes after all. So this is referring to certain fossils that are found where the skin of the, especially like in this one, the dinosaur, they call it a mummy, even though it's not wrapped in you know, cloth or anything like that. But the skin is very well preserved. Um, and it's always been uh, assumed in many of these cases that th- this means that it was buried rapidly. It didn't have time to decay, which is what we say about fossils in the first mm-hmm. place. Um, so we've always looked at these and say, see, this is what we've been telling you all along. Well, this article comes along and says, well, not so fast. Maybe it's not proof that they were buried rapidly. Is that really what they're seeing, Dr. Haynes?
0: Yeah, they saying that, and I think that one of the reasons that they might be trying to bring another way it's because they want to go against one of the arguments that we creationists we use, right, about the rapid burial. Yes, the rapid burial that we always, the normally use to explain the fossil and um, the type of the quality. Of the preservation of those, and, and fossils. we say
2: that, of course, because of the global flood, right. is provides a great explanation for the vast majority of the yeah. fossil that we find out there.
0: But so. also, this is not only a creation or Christian uh, argument. This is, for example, when I went to a secular university for do, to do my master's and my PhD, um, the book one of the, the classic book written by a secular uh, scientist, the first thing that he said about uh, how do you have a fossil, how can you get a fossil? You have to have it rapid, rapidly buried. Uh, so that's not just Christians that use that, but they're trying to come up with something else just to explain, the, my, my, my points are, every single time you see a paper, you have to see they're trying to bring up a, a, a solution on something but they're basing on only one research. And this this is a new research, so it hasn't been tested. It hasn't been applied to other things. It hasn't been uh, uh, questioned by others, you know? So you have to check, okay, we have to be careful with this. The other point that Tim very wisely brought up when we were talking, it's just like, when those animals, uh, they were in the flood, all together, trying to survive, or trying to escape, and all that. Of course, some of them hurt each other, and they, you, there was no time for them to heal.
2: So, and the the reason that's relevant in this case, is yes. what happened is they found this specimen where there was apparently claw marks or bite marks or something, mm-hmm. and so it didn't have it didn't heal after mm-hmm. that, and then it was buried, and so. Rather, so they interpret that as something that had died, laid there for a bit, was scavenged, and mm-hmm. then it gets buried. So see, that doesn't sound like a flood right away. Well, even though that still could explain, a, a right. flood could still explain right. that. Yeah, but even then, it doesn't have to, it could have just been that it was bitten right before it was drowned. Right. It, so uh-huh. either one of those still supports a flood model and not the slow yeah, gradual. Yeah, there's no
0: problem with that. So first thing, it was only one paper. They're trying to explain something was something else that even more complicated and unknown, because they don't even know how the process really works. Uh, the, the other point is also that um, they're saying that the, the, animal, the, the animal was bit. Because it was bit, the gas inside kind of went out and escaped. And it helped with the preservation. But the point is they're only thinking from the inside out, but they're not thinking from outside. So it's not only the gases inside of the animal that makes um, the decomposition uh, happens. It's also outside. What about wind? What about water? What about other minerals or any chemicals around from the water or from other animals that are dead altogether? all those things together gonna make this animal um, decompose. So that's the point. They're only thinking from inside out, but they're not thinking the, the effects from the things outside, like sun, for example. It's gonna help also to decompose the sun, the water, the wind, all of those kind of stuff. And we have to be honest, like in any environment that you have those kind of animals, it's not only one that's gonna come in scavenger. Goodness sake, we know that. There's food. Let's eat. Right? That's what's gonna happen. They all the animals are gonna come. So it would be impossible for something like that to happen.
2: You've got kids, you know that's how it works. I
0: know how well I have my, I have myself. I have food on the table, I'm like, Yay, let's go. And I'm pregnant now, so I I'm loving anything that is
1: food. Yeah. Uh related. Um So it could still, yeah, have been buried pretty shortly after it died, but even if it did have time to dry out, like if a global flood came now, we would still expect there to be some roadkill things or whatever getting buried in various stages of decay. So it really doesn't, um, um, dismiss the biblical argument as well, and it still doesn't explain or explain away all the cases where something was buried rapidly. Obviously, while it still was fresh and still did have its internal organs and mm-hmm. things like that, we've talked about yeah. different examples of that as well, so.
2: It's almost like if you saw the deer from the side of the road with like the imprint of the, the grill from the vehicle and there that got know. fossilized. And yep. it, oh, that, that <laughs> proves the flood didn't happen. No, it, <laughs> it proves that this thing got hit by a car first, then the flood happened, yeah. 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 Um, so, all right, well, let's go on to the next one. Um, Hellfish, likely killed by dinosaur-ending asteroid, is preserved in stunning detail. So here they're talking about uh, a, a fossil of a sturgeon, uh, which is this bony fish that um, they, they find actually find them in Lake Winnebago in Wisconsin, pretty close to where I'm from. Uh, they also find some over in Europe and in the North Atlantic, I believe. This one happened to look more like the ones over in Europe, and so apparently this thing that's w- really well preserved is somehow evidence of evolution because sturgeon still look like sturgeon. Mm-hmm.
0: And they make those claims here. They say, oh, it was around 66 million years ago, what, that, that those things happen. And um, they say they have a lot of clear sturgeon similarities. And then they say, uh, at the same time, they also have, they, they say that they bear an expected resemblance to the modern day sturgeon. So 66 million years past. No change. It's still the same
1: that you can compare. It's like it's been reproducing according to its kind or something. Right.
0: (laughs) And it's the same animal. It didn't change at all. Did you read that in the
1: Bible? I think so. Yeah. Genesis is something.
0: That's
2: good. Bring forth after the kind. (laughs) It's there
1: somewhere.
0: Yeah. And you know, when I went to do my master's research at the American Museum of Natural History, in New York. If you don't know which museum that is, is the movie, right?
2: Night at the Museum. Yeah, yeah. the
0: the the movie, the the night in the the night, night, night the museum. at the museum movie. yep. Yeah. The night at the museum. Yes. So I did my research there, and my advisor, which which is one of the five best one in my field, my field in the whole world, okay, in the whole world. He came to me and said, "Hey, Gabby, I want to talk to you about something." Like, yes, sir. He said, "So you're gonna to have to study a lot." about the extent, the the, the modern-day insects, because I study insects. And I said, why? I knew the answer, but I had the opportunity. I asked why. And he said, because they look just the same. <laughs> and then I said, uh, excuse me, sir, so the fossils that I'm studying is dated uh, 120 million years, and you're saying that they look just the same as the ones that we see today? And he said, Yes, ma'am. And then I said, "Amen," but just in my mind. Okay, I couldn't say out loud. <laughs> um, so, I mean, they're just the same. The reason why we can we can know, hey, this is a fish. Hey, this is a, a mammal. This is a a a bird. This is an insect because we can compare them. It's just they're just the same. They look the same. No millions of years passed. So that's the point. You. He was not a Christian. He's secular. He's an atheist. He was saying that.
2: And even if millions of years had passed, they still wouldn't change because they're going to they're gonna function according to the way that right. God has designed them so that right. DNA is going to keep them as right. what they were in the first you, you place. Don't, you
0: don't gain right. a genetic material. You lose it. You lose it. That's why a couple of years ago, I was young and beautiful. Now, wrinkles and all this and all that, you know, that happens. We're just going gonna to lose information. We're going we're gonna to just get ro- worse. <laughs> um, so that's the point. Uh, things don't get better with time and evolutionary scale at all. Scale. Fish. I like it. Good
2: pun. Oh, oh that was <laughs> a
1: good one? Bodie
2: and Rob aren't even hearing you had to do it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, something else I just thought was funny. I've got to throw this in. is Don't you love that quote where the article says that the fish were victims of a massive tidal wave that swept thousands of pounds of sediment into the water, burying them almost instantly. What does that That sound like? That sounds like something you read about about somewhere. (laughs) I think also Genesis. Genesis is a useful book. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
2: So let's go on to the next one. We've got just a couple more here, so we'll kind of move quickly. Eight out of ten teenagers expect to cohabitate, study finds. And... I should have warned you, this is another depressing one um, that really strikes against family. You know, God has set up the family as an institution in such a way that you have one man, one woman for life, and sadly, in our culture and around the world in many places, uh, that's been treated very lightly, uh, both within and without the church. Uh, You see divorce rates that are sky high in both places. You see marriage treated very lightly. So if you have so many bad examples of what marriage is, even growing up as a young person, (laughs) Why would you want to get married if what you see is fighting and anger right. and in the, in the media it's kind of portrayed as, oh, that's a good thing because if your parents are divorced, you get two of everything, you know, they, they sell it in such a way where it sounds like it's a great thing and yet it's, it's destructive and tragic and it, they, you have so many broken homes that people who've suffered through that, who've gone through that, know how much it hurts. And so I'm not trying to make light of it in any way, but we also know that there's forgiveness that can be found through through Christ, so.
0: Yeah, and as you said, that we were talking, like if we were doing a better job the last, what, you said 50 years, you know, as a married couple, um, putting, showing uh, a better example, setting a better example as married couple, and uh, celebrating marriage, you know, and I just like joking around as the world does with marriage or, you know, spouse. So this woman is this, this, this man is this, and like a joke, um, if we had done a better job on that, probably it would be different, these stats here. And that's a call for now, for us, still now here. Even if you, if you haven't done that, a good job on setting that example. This is, a, this is a call for all of us to set a good example. Marriage is for your spouse and your family to grow, but also the society. When the society sees strong uh, married couple with love, trusting God, taking care of your family, you know, loving each other, protecting each other, that, that just, it breaks their heart because they're not used to see that anymore. So that's the call for us today. I'm just have been married for four years and a half. And that reading this is a call for me, you know, to, to keep doing a better job in my, in my marriage because I need to set the example. And I'm gonna be, uh, hold accountable for that, for the society to see uh, this relationship between Christ and the church, because that's why marriage exists.
1: Yeah. It is interesting that like nine and a half teens out of 10, though, did say that they expected to marry someday. So on the one hand, that's encouraging. On the other hand, someone should tell them what my own secular university psychology books told me, which is that divorce rates are much higher for people who do cohabitate after that. So there's going to be this disconnect yeah. Further downstream, but the uh, the author did do a great job of citing the loss of Genesis relevance as the reason for that and a return to a biblical worldview as part of the solution. So it's a good article if you get a chance to check it out.
2: Yeah, and real quickly, going along with what Gabby said, I, I was shocked several years ago when I was a, a Christian school teacher. Um, I took my students on on their senior trip, and my wife was one of the chaperones, and, and about half of the students rode back with us. And during the during the trip on the way back, I remember these are kids coming from Christian homes, and uh, they told us that we were the first... Happy married couple they had ever seen, and I was shocked by that. I I mean, I'm thankful that my marriage is great. I mean, we're over 25 years already. Um, She's decided to stick with me that long, so. uh, But um, it was very sad that kids, even within the church
0: didn't have
2: a an example of what a good godly marriage of two people who really love each other is like and uh, so yeah it's a call for us to step up all right uh, last one real quickly one in 4000 babies could be affected by an alternate route or for patricia Roots. route uh, to human evolution and uh, so well you want to take it away? <laughs> We've rooting, been rooting taking the all cane. the time. We'll
1: <laughs> <laughs> try to get yeah, uh, chat through this pretty quickly here. But basically, they're saying that another route that you can take for evolution is to take little bits of your mitochondrial DNA, so that's like the powerhouse of the cell, and import that into the nucleus, which has the rest of your genome in it. Now, it is an assumption to actually look at this nuclear DNA and believe it came from the mitochondria just because there are similarities there. That's already a bit of an assumption. We're not necessarily sure that's what happens. If it does happen, a couple things. One, you can get harmful mutations from it, which don't necessarily help evolution. On the other hand, they were saying that sometimes it could be used to repair breaks in the nuclear DNA, which sounds a lot like a really good design. So either way you slice it, it would end up confirming the biblical creation model. If you want to know more about mitochondrial DNA, I'd encourage you to go to our website, check out any resources by Dr. Nathaniel Jensen. He is a genetics pro, has a lot of good stuff on there. Look up Dr. Georgia Purdom's stuff, and we have tons of resources that you can learn more about these things in more detail.
2: And speaking of resources, real quickly, we've got, uh, we were talking about this attack on the family. So we've got one here called the, the Gender and Marriage War. And we've got another one that's called Quick Answers to Social Issues. So those books are available here at both of our bookstores. We've got some resources there on uh, fossilization. Fossils. Uh, so, from Dr. Andrew Snelling, he's our geologist on staff. And uh, finally, we've got uh, advertising our VBS program, which is getting more and more and more popular every single year. Uh, the last year that we did Zoomerang this last summer was was very, very popular. And so next year, we've got Keepers of the Kingdom, uh, our team that puts these together together does a great job of teaching biblical authority beginning with God's word as the foundation taking you back to the book of Genesis showing why that's relevant and they do a great job putting this program on so look that up at answers.vbs so all right Uh, well I think I forgot to mention that we've got a live audience here so guys thanks (laughs) for uh, joining us today we're going to be live next Monday as well right here from this room at two o'clock we'll see you next time